You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. You'd better have paid attention to that shot. Yeah, I'd better have. <laughs> Jimmy, I have just one question. Are you behind this? You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. It's another episode of Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Beauvais. Sorry, Glenn, we had to do it. We had to record this episode. <laughs> I, was, I was actually joking to say, like, you know, we don't have to talk about it and pretend it isn't over. Yeah. We'll just make up our own episodes in between. And, uh... <laughs> no, this is it. This is the finale of season two of Better Call Saul. They give so us... does Aaron watch the show? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he seemed... I guess Aaron watches the show. Aaron seems... He seemed to me to not like the uh the ending which i don't think i mean i guess it's a cliffhanger but it's not like it's not like you're what do you think was gonna happen i mean yeah he, i thought it was a pretty obvious setup i think he's still burned like many people are from the walking dead finale a few weeks ago uh look there are good kinds of cliffhangers there are bad kinds of cliffhangers to me the good kind of cliffhanger is the one that has you saying, you know, what's going to happen next. I can't wait to see what happens next uh, to see where the story goes. The problem with Walking Dead was that they built to something that they never paid off. And then they use that as a cliffhanger. And that's the bad kind of cliffhanger. That's where you're teasing the audience uh, the whole season and they don't deliver. And they say, if you want us to deliver, you just have to tune in next time. And that's the that's a bad kind of of cliffhanger. Uh, this is the kind of cliffhanger that uh, keeps the story going and has you interested in what's going on. And they they definitely did not tease us with anything. This is just a a, a literal great cliffhanger that they left us on. Uh, and the shows don't even normally do that. Like last season didn't really end with a cliffhanger. Um, but they're doing one here because I think they're they're doing some kind of. Uh, I, I think we're going to get a couple more of them as we as the show goes forward because it's got to tell the story of uh, Jimmy McGill becoming Saul Goodman. So there's going to be some some hangers as far as like uh, the end of a chapter goes. So yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. This was this was a good cliffhanger. Uh, and they've shows have been basically doing it since forever. Um, I, I, the first one I remember was they did one in Star Trek, the next generation is the first time I remember, 
Um, I'm sure there's been other shows that did cliffhangers before that, but that was the first big one that I remember uh, in my lifetime anyway, and that was in the 90s. So they've been doing cliffhangers for a while, and usually they're pretty good. I thought this one was really good. Uh, I don't know. We'll get your, we'll get, I'll get your opinion on it, Glenn, in a moment after I tell everybody all about season two, episode ten, called Click. Uh, so we start off with a flashback, and it's Chuck and Jimmy at their mother's deathbed uh, in a hospital. Jimmy leaves to go get some food for Chuck, who isn't eaten in days. While Jimmy is gone, his mother awakes briefly and calls for his name. And ignores Chuck almost completely before passing away. Jimmy then returns and asks if their mother had said any last words, and Chuck says that she did not. Uh, in the present, Jimmy rushes into the copy store and orders the clerk to call an ambulance. In the hospital, Chuck, now stable, wonders how it was possible for Jimmy to come to his aid at the copy store when he had only been unconscious for less than a minute. Correctly deducing that Jimmy had bribed the clerk and then stayed to watch. However, Ernesto, uh, Jimmy's former, uh, was he, he, was he Jimmy's intern? Ernesto? Yeah. No, he never was, worked for Jimmy. I don't know. He, he called Jimmy his friend and I couldn't remember I, They why. probably like came up together in the mailroom or something. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ernesto speaks up and lies and says that he called Jimmy before going to the copy store, and that's why Jimmy was there. Uh, and he told Jimmy he did this because he thought his brother was going way overboard with all of this, and he considered Jimmy a friend. Elsewhere, Mike purchases a sniper rifle and ammunition with an intent to kill one Hector Salamanca. He positions himself on a ridge overlooking a spot in the desert where Hector and his family are preparing to execute the driver whom Mike robbed last week, uh, but he's unable to get a clear shot because Nacho is standing directly in front of Hector. Behind him, Mike hears his car horn blaring and arrives to find a branch wedged against the horn and the seat and a note on the windshield with a single word written on it. Don't. Back in the hospital, Chuck has been ordered to undergo a CAT scan against his will. The doctor tells Jimmy that Chuck is otherwise healthy but has gone into a stress-induced coma as a result of the scan. When Chuck finally awakens, Jimmy takes him home. Later, Howard calls Jimmy to inform him that Chuck has quit HHM. Jimmy rushes to Chuck's house where he finds his brother plastering the walls, floor, and ceiling of his living room with reflective foil sheets. Uh, Chuck explains that the walls of his home are doing nothing to reflect the electromagnetic rays and that this has led to a deterioration of his mind over time, believing that this is what caused him to make such an elementary mistake in the Mesa Verde documents. Desperate for his brother to keep practicing the law, Jimmy confesses to editing the documents and bribing the copy store clerk, assuring Chuck that his mind has not deteriorated when Jimmy leaves, Chuck reveals that he had been taping Jimmy on a tape recorder the whole time. Okay, give me your thoughts on this episode, sir. Such good television. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Uh, the, the genius of that Mike scene, mm -hmm. um, besides the the besides the fact that we didn't really notice the horn until much later. Yeah. Um, 
So logistically, it didn't really make that much sense to me. Uh, I can get it, but I mean, right? How long was Nacho? <laughs> I I mean, I don't think it was him that did it. Well, then who did it? Well, I think that's a I think that is a question. Oh, you think it could have been like Gus? Maybe. Um, I, I'm not sure who it is. But I mean, I'm assuming don't... it's Nacho if Nacho kept stepping in front of him. Possibly. Yeah, he... Like, maybe Nacho had seen the car way beforehand. Oh, I mean, I'm sure he saw when he followed. But then you're right. Why would we have not have heard the horn, you know, during that whole time? So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was somebody else, perhaps. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know of any other, other accomplices with, with Nacho. That's the only thing. But again, the scene's so good, just like in Jurassic Park, I really don't care about the logistics of it. <laughs> uh, it was about the emotion and the message being sent during that scene. That's what made it work. So I didn't really care about it until after the fact. And I was like, well, I got to figure out something to bitch about this episode. Right. <laughs> so like when you're doing that scene and the things that are running through my mind, because again, you know, it's a prequel. We know we know what happens to Hector. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know what happens to everybody else besides the guy with the ponytail. Yep. And I'm thinking, like, okay, so he's going to shoot that guy if you can't get a clean shot. And then I'm thinking, oh, maybe this is, you know, like, ties into the fact how Sector's in a wheelchair. Yeah. And this is how Gus comes in. Because Gus is, you know, like, oh, thank you for, you know, destroying that piece of shit that, like, pretty much ruined my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I'm going through all these scenarios, and then it's just don't. And it's like, wait, oh, well, that's kind of anticlimactic. Yes. But... You know, it was it was necessary. It was good. It really had me going. Like constantly seeing him go back and forth, and no dialogue, no dialogue, no music. I don't even. Mike's think. not really doing anything. You know, it's just no music. Just even back. Really, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. And you know, oh, I mean the the ending scene with Chuck and Jimmy. Like, they're both playing on each other. Like, it's mm-hmm. what the relationship is, which, you know, of course, is established. Oh, sorry. And that hospital scene with the, the dying mother. Yeah. And, you know, this resentment towards him because he's just so nonchalant. I guess he feels like he doesn't understand the consequences and, and, and that kind of thing. He doesn't see consequences for his actions. Mm-hmm. And... Just Jimmy's just like oh. he's like yo you are admitting to a federal offense well I'm like yeah so what it's your word against mine and he's thinking he's got him pinned and then uh, there goes Chuck you know it, like like I said before it, it was like uh, you know it's like Looney Tunes and they someone pulls out a gun someone pulls out a shotgun and a rifle and a cannon like, yeah that's what that's how they are but it's but it's just so subtle and it, it's just huh, it's just damn good it's damn good writing. Yeah, um, Vince Gilligan co-wrote and directed this episode. Yeah, he did. Uh, he he knows what he's doing, uh, <laughs> for sure. The uh, the only thing I can think of in the Mike scene is that it was somebody else, other than Nacho. Uh, yeah, I just don't know who the... Uh, con- otherwise, that's like a really big hole in the plot that you normally don't get with uh, Vince Gilligan shows as of late. So Yes. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, a couple of things that weren't in this paragraph uh, that I liked. Uh, I was super happy to finally see Jimmy's commercial. 
<laughs> uh, it was wonderful. Oh, it was so good. It, it was just pandering to the, the greatest generation. That's all it was doing. Uh, Gimme. So good. And we got the precursor to Better Call Saul, which was Gimme Jimmy. Yeah. Was the precursor. And all those old people saying, Gimme Jimmy. Uh, So good. And yeah, and uh, that's all the people in his waiting room were also all old people. (laughs) Every (laughs) single one of them. Uh, So uh, that's the difference between uh, Jimmy and, and Kim's. Uh, practices, I think. Kim is practicing actual law, and Jimmy is ambulance chasing and, <laughs> and skirting the rules wherever he can. Uh, yeah, I mean, you. Oh, and the Chuck scene where they're, uh, the camera's upside down, it's inverted. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, where he's strapped in and they're going to do checking his vitals and it's just a close-up of his face. Oh, that's right, yes. And he's on the, the skirter. I mean, oh my god. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I forgot about. If it wasn't that. such a piece of shit, like I would have felt for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean he, it was. It I mean, was he so is good. A, he is a dick. Yeah. Um. And it's and you know and it's obvious that everything he was doing by the end was just a a setup. Just a ruse. Yeah. yeah, he never planned on quitting. He didn't think his you know he just knew that Jimmy was playing a long con and he was, you know the funny the funny thing is. But see, the thing is with Jimmy is none of it's meant to be personal, whereas Chuck just sees it as personal attacks. Yeah. Yeah, hey, look, and Jimmy made a valid point about why Kim should have the Mesa Verde account. You know, she, you know, they didn't need it. They would have been fine without it. She really needed it. She's the one who worked hard to get it in the first place. Um, You know, the funny thing is, and... Of course I did it for Kim. The fu- the funny thing is, people don't, and people in his situation often don't see this, but he hates Jimmy because he thinks Jimmy's a con man, and here is Chuck proving that he is just as good a con man as Jimmy is. Yeah. He is just as big a con man. He threw up he, all of He's roots. just as much of a monkey with a machine gun as he is. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he just thinks his head is on straighter. That's all. Um, God, I can't wait to see where this goes next. That's why it's a good cliffhanger. I can't wait to see what happens next. I know, I can't wait to see that cold open scene with him at the Cinnabon in black and white and then never mm-hmm. touch on it the rest of the year next February. I, I, and I That's the parts those. that drive me mad because they're so good and I know I'm only getting one of them. Uh, those flash forwards. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll get another one. Uh, slowly unraveling what happened to Saul post Breaking Bad. I'm I'm really curious. It's I'm, gonna be great when this show's over with and someone makes a compilation of all those black and white scenes on YouTube. It's gonna be wonderful. Yep, agreed. Uh, I'm sure somebody's already saving the video files as we speak yep. to accomplish this as we go forward. Um, do you have anything else you want to add about the episode? Otherwise, we should probably score this thing and get out of here for another season. No, I just, it was, I really liked it. And like you said, it was a cliffhanger, but, you know, they're smart in how they're using it because they're, you know where things ultimately lead, but they just, they give you so much nuance and, Mm -hmm. you know, so many layers to how, how we're going to get there. And it's truly just great. Like when this show was announced, 
I just assumed it was going to be he was Saul Goodman. He was some some guy who lucked into being like a sleaze bag lawyer, like a catch me if you can think. Wasn't actually a lawyer. Yeah, just came into it. Just happened to be, know how to BS his way through the law. Like I didn't think they were going to give me, you know, a very real, you know, romance. Uh, sure. Such a rich background to how he got to where he is. Like, it's yeah, pretty logical. Like you can understand. Kind of like how we got to where he is. Because the thing is, like, what this is two thousand and two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, that's not. Oh, it's such a short time frame to be where he is, and you know, maybe you know, Saul is just in the midst of being Saul once he's there. You know. Yep. You know how long he's. It just felt like he was established, but his con man antics were established probably long, long ago. It's just, he now, when he becomes Saul, it's just him fine tuning himself as a, uh, strip mall lawyer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, make a bold prediction here, Glenn. Do we, uh, do we see Gustavo Fring next season? Yes or no? I yes, thought we were I, believe. Him, I thought we were going to see him this season. Yeah. I really thought that like when they were going into the, the food store, I thought he was one of them. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll see him next year. Uh, Look at that Gilligan. It better happen. I mean, he. it's weird because he's kind of important. Because I don't really remember Gus and Saul having too much to do with each other. But since now we're having these added layers into Mike's background. Right. And they and I think they hinted that there were some dealings or whatever. Yeah, they, they kind of work together. Like, there's an understanding. Sure. Like he's his. It's so weird that he was like his lawyer on retainer. Yep. Such a sleaze back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we'll see Gus. Uh, I think. I'm trying to think of who else we might run into. I wonder what the over under is on a on a Walter White cameo. Well, uh, he, I don't think. He, I don't. I don't th- I don't think they're going to do one. But how would he have met him right, without thing. him remembering meeting him? That's the thing, right? Because does does Saul reach out to him, or does Walter reach out to Saul? In I think Breaking he gets. Bad? I think he reaches out to Saul. Like I think he sees a commercial for him. Yeah, I thought that's what it was because they talk about. Oh yeah, that guy who's in, with the urinal cakes and stuff. Yep, yep. And um, so he may like you may see him, but. It, might just be a really brief cameo. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could think of. Because if he's with Gus and he knows that this guy starts, you know, going up against him and then working for him or whatever and then going against him. Right. Uh, there probably is rumors of Heisenberg. I definitely think. Because I'm. Is it. Is with if the show's now in two thousand and three, then maybe at the end you start hearing wind and catching word of a Heisen. Well, I think they'll probably save a mention for Heisenberg, say season four. Yeah, maybe I'm we assuming just the show's going to be five years. So mm-hmm. I would say in the fourth season is probably you'll hear a mention of Heisenberg, and everyone's going to lose their shit, including myself. Yeah, maybe they just do a vocal reference or something. Unless they do Mad Men, and they're like, "Ah, oh, screw it, we're going to jump a couple of years." But yeah, I hope they don't do that. I think they're, I think they're moving along at a good pace. 
Uh, all right, so bust out the geeky glasses. Glenn, your score for click. Uh, I said last week was a five, right? Yeah. Um, I'll say four and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I have for this one as well, four and a half. <laughs> Uh, very it was sound. really good, but uh, that the one that car horn scene just as great as it was, it did bother me after the fact. Yeah, and uh, look, this is their this is the mo. Uh, they they do a big episode before a finale. Now this was a bigger finale than what they've normally done, but yeah. uh, usually the the best episode tends to take place before the finale. At least uh, that's how I feel it's gone uh, with. With Breaking Bad and and with and with uh, Saul as well, at least near the end of Breaking Bad, they were doing like an amazing episode before the finales, uh, and the finales were kind of just there to to close out the season. But well, what Ozymandias was the second episode back from the break. Mm, I think so, maybe. Yeah, so. that was a tremendous episode. God, that was so good. So good. Uh, okay, so well, I guess that's it for now. Uh, yeah. Glenn and I will come back. Uh, will it be back later this year or next year? I don't know when this. Yeah, it'll be next year. It'll be February. Ugh. All right. Fine. Fine. I know. Why right. can't they Walking Dead this and bring it back in October and then bring it back in the spring? Just uh, just start up the uh, the Price spinoff series and give me more than ten. Twelve. Yeah. Give me. Daddy 12. wants twelve. Let's go twelve. <laughs> uh, let's go twelve, Gilligan. Let's aim for 12 next year. All right. uh, So for Glenn, uh, I'm Anthony. We'll be back in February probably with with season three of Better Call Saul. You stay real cool and tell them you're the ice cream man. But all that crying just gave you away. Who are you going to call to skip a prison stay? Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stay into the man, justice for all. You better call. Best call now, you hear?